podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zarr. Hello, Mike. Hey, Chet. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. How are you? I'm worn out, I, I'm, but I'm good. I mean, I'm happy, but I just did a lot of mowing for many hours in the sun. And so I'm just feeling a little bit lethargic at the moment. Well, but aside from that, I'm good. I'm excited about today, though. Cause yeah, we've wake got up, man. Special happen. Yes, wake, get, get a, a, a wake up, get your energy level up, because we've got our first guest <laughs> on the Dark Art Society podcast. Indeed, the amazing artist Christopher Ulrich. Christopher Ulrich. Hi uh, guys, how you guys doing? We, we, awesome, Chris. We're good. We just said Thanks how we were doing. How are you? How are you doing? How are you? Yeah, that's the important thing. Uh, well, um, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't mow the lawn, so I'm not sun sun drenched and so sun fatigued. But uh, you did struggle. I've with... been uh, painting actually today, so it's great to to be on here with you guys. You did struggle with the Skype a bit. We had a, a about an hour and a half uh, long foray. Oh, dude, into... I'm 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 ready to to design androids now, man. I'm I'm. <laughs> I'm like totally, I'm no longer a Luddite. I'm so <laughs> proud of myself how I figured that one out. I was very proud of you. It was amazing. So well, we've got video and everything. I can even see him. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing yeah. is, uh, just as a side note, you guys is, I don't know how, um, Brian's going to split the audio channels and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. normally there's, it's split between two. So we should just try and not talk over each other if possible. Yes. Just, just as a technical. Sometimes issue. Chris Chet will do this. He'll hold his finger up if he wants to talk, so that he knows that I, I will get to him. It's like he's, you know, my turn, my turn. <laughs> no, I'm just raising my hand. That. I'm just raising my hand, like, hey, I've got something that. to say. So okay, we'll okay. do that. That's good. It's okay. good to know. Or anyone, we can give hand signals. If you know, you can write notes or whatever. So anyway, oh yeah, like that. You don't want to know what Mike's <laughs> doing right now, but it's not nice. Okay, no. acceptable for for a family podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Christopher Ulrich, if you're not familiar with his work, he's he's a, I always whenever anyone asks me about Christopher Ulrich, I always say he's the real deal and he is actually a genius. And I oh. really mean it. Cuz his <laughs> his his work is really, you know, some of the best work being done right now, I believe. It's it's really incredible stuff. It's you just have to look at it. It's very prolific, you know, tons of crazy symbols and metaphor and alchemy. And it's just, it's off the hook and, and he's, his technique is incredible. So, you know, we'll, we'll put a link to his work, um, when we get started <clears throat> putting this thing up online. Yeah. So Chris, I'm curious, you know, where, when did you start creating the kinds of work that you're creating now? What was kind of your, what's kind of your story behind your, uh, your artistic evolutionary or evolutionary curve as it were? Well, um, you know, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, it's, it's great talking with you guys and thanks for even, it's, it's pretty incredible to even be asked that question. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that What's fascinating about that is, um, for me, 
um, I've reached a point where I'm not quite sure uh, if 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 I'm actually making the work or the work is kind of making me. If you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying, because it's like mm-hmm. here I am talking with you guys, and it's you know if we're if we're going to be perfectly honest, I mean nobody really. Um, you have the the illusion that you're choosing, right, or that you. But you know why is it that you make the images that you do? I mean, why why does each person is so different, and why does each person make the work that they do? And that's the interesting thing. We usually think that, oh, okay, the person makes the work. But what if the person is actually not the cart, but the horse? You mm-hmm, know, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or when you say like, don't put the cart before the horse. You know. Um, that's like, why you should say that. I said that today in my mind to myself, actually. Interesting synchronicity. Oh, oh that's going to happen a lot in this next conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, actually, what's interesting, Chris, I totally get you. The metaphor I always put with it is like, it's almost like we're the instruments and we're just being played. And so how much exactly. of it is the air that passes through us that's invisible versus how much is the actual movement of the keys that creates the tune that emits? Exactly. And that's why... The reason why I think I want to begin the conversation with that is because let us look at the work as an actual living entity. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's informing each individual in different ways. In other words, like for instance, we're, you know, like we're how I'm connected with Chad and all this in our community. What if it's a single entity talking to all of us and we get to see? different interpretations of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. that big. So it's a different way of having a conversation or looking at things. But, you know, it's like a lot of times you ask a person, oh, you know, tell me about your artwork or, you know, and like, and the person's like, well, you know, I did this and I did that and all this sort of thing, you know, and that's fine. I don't mean to be mocking about that. But is that actually what is occurring? Or is it that, you know, one thing you got to do is almost everyone always tells you this. You have to get out of your own way. You know, it's like you're constantly wanting to look like somebody else or constantly wanting to be somebody else. You're absolutely incapable of being somebody else. That's what art teaches you. This one of the first lessons it teaches you is you have to be yourself. So now you ask me. How did my artistic evolution begin? Well, I was surrounded by great artists. I tried to surround myself by great artists. I I went to museums. I went, you know, I I I went, you know, to, I had an apprenticeship. I I hung out with artists. You see, because it was like there was that that invitation or that call was in myself, right? And when you begin to work on your own stuff, you're like, you can see, you know, the influences of that person or this person or whatever. So what happens is you you go deeper, you know, and you try to discover what is you. You know what I mean? That is where the mystery is, right? That's the first door. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, um, it really began... Um, before I even begun to really start seriously 
going on this path, I did. I was behind the scenes, and I always, you know, I worked at a museum. I was uh, like one of those gallery guards. <laughs> wow, what a trippy right. job! Your phone is quacking. No, 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 it's my duck. Oh, your duck. Du- your duck is quacking. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> what museum did you work at? Um, I worked at the Norton Simon Museum. Oh, no I way. Was actually, I was actually a gallery guard. I had to stand silently. Oh, and, wow. And I couldn't move for all this. And I stared at art. And then I would go home. And I remember at that time, I had enough money to eat a like one hamburger every like three days. <laughs> what age was this? How old were you? Oh, gosh. I was... Um, uh, I was in my uh, later 20s, um, wow. and then I got a job teaching children, and in a weird way, they taught me because I was teaching art to kids, mm-hmm. and that was an incredible experience because— I could imagine. Yeah. And and then 9-11 happened, and, you know, all the kids wanted to talk about it and, and draw it and express it, and and then I had, like— you know, teachers coming into my classroom and telling me, oh, you know, they shouldn't be drawing these things. They should be like, uh, drawing, uh, like, I don't know, their mommies and their daddies and all this. Stuff. And I'm like, no, no, they, they should draw and express what they want. And especially something terrifying, you know, and this yeah, is where absolutely. Get deeper into the conversation is. You know the best thing to do when you get uh, uh, the the, the uh, scared or you get attacked by a demon or 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 what you perceive as such or something terrible happens, you express it right yep. creatively, right? And so I think that <laughs> my my artistic uh, endeavors began with trauma. Yeah. Most of ours yeah, did. Yeah, I, I think, think. That's, had, that's dead on. Yeah, for sure. And also, I think trauma is the birth of great art. Well, it's also the the uh, <clears throat> the birth of great dark art, and 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 the idea that you know, just the the idea that you had parents telling you, oh, I forgot my pop screen. No wonder it's making that sound. Um, why uh, uh, the parents telling you that they the kids shouldn't be drawing that is just you know, I think every everybody who does dark or kind of what we're calling dark art has run across that in their lives from family members or people, you know, why can't you draw pretty flowers? You know, that's just yeah, kind of like yeah. a, such a common thread I hear. <clears throat> I guess oh, I mean, it's, and it's that same thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry saying. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that it's, it's that same thing that really this whole, the whole dark art society thing is about, which is instead of taking the things that make us uncomfortable, that make us nervous, that make us anxious and scared and putting them in a place where we don't have to look at them, but they still remain and they grow disproportionate to uh, the space that they occupy rather bringing those things out into the light so that we can actually examine them and demystify them and realize that the commonality amongst all of us is our, it, it just as much as our lightness is our darkness and that we should, we should look at that and investigate that. So that the teachers doing that is that same old dominant paradigm of don't look at it. And if you don't look at it, you know, ignorance is bliss. You sweep it under the rug and it'll disappear. Don't mind the lump in the rug. You might trip over and crack your head on the floor, but it's all good. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I love, um, uh, Chet, uh, your 
I love to paint monsters. I was the kid who loved to draw <laughs> monsters yeah. when I was a little kid. And, and I found a lot of comfort in that. And to me, they weren't monsters. They were, they were like um, my way of, of, of being in touch with the shadow archetype. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The first, you know, the, the, the first taste of a redactual monster and when I realized who the actual monsters were, that was an incredible experience. I didn't stop drawing the, the fantastic creatures that I had in my imagination, but, you know, it's it's us, it's people, you know. Yep. And, um, right, right. And that, you know, I remember as a little boy coming home from a field trip and there was helicopters and police cars all at my house. Oh. And all of these police coming in and out of my house and all the kids on the school bus were like looking at me like, okay, he's already the weirdo. <laughs> now, and now there is like police. So in a weird way, you can imagine I was sat in the back of the bus. So you imagine that long walk <laughs> to get into the um, to my house. And, and as a little boy, I step out. I don't know what's going on. This is way before cell phones. I mean, we, we were communicating by pigeons back then. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, I, I walk into the house and there's my father. And I remember the first thought I had was there must be something wrong because he's not at work. And and this is another thing I want to mention with this story is that my father never missed a day of work ever. Wow. Really ingrained in me. Like, he never really... At first, he didn't want me to go down the path that I'm on, and and with good reason. But he's a real incredible, um, disciplined worker, you know. Uh, and so I get to my house, and it turned out that a man broke into my house and tried to kidnap my baby brother. Holy shit! I wow. almost lost my baby brother. Oh my god, that's horrifying. How old was you, how how old were you, Chris? And how old was your brother? Oh, I was six. And oh my he god! Was about, he was about a year old. Formative oh, years, formative years, totally, man. And and right there, I remember like hearing, like walking into the house that you know my mom was at the table crying, and she wasn't there at the house. The only reason why he sur survived is because the this incredible um, uh, woman who was uh, babysitting him. I think she was from um, Nicaragua. She fought him off. Wow. Whoa. Amazing. Oh, and and she was completely like, I mean, it was a rough one. And uh, and apparently, you know, I, I, I remember that night draw because I didn't know who this assailant, this kidnapper would be kidnapper was. I remember. So you didn't get to see him. You didn't get to see him then. Oh, I saw the aftermath. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you, but you no, didn't get to see the guy, the except, actual face. No, nobody did. Except okay. Okay. The, the, except for the, the, uh, Alita, the, or, uh, the, the lady that was protecting my brother. Gotcha. And, um, I remember that night sketching this dark form, you know what I mean? And 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 experiencing that the idea of the intruder, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The, the yeah, Grendel, yeah. you know, Grendel at, outside of the uh, outside of the of the gate, you know, always. And in a weird way, that's kind of like 
one of the powers of of the art that we do is that we get to face that creature, you know, in our imaginations. You know what I mean? And that's a way of strengthening ourselves, you know, um, because I didn't know how else to process such a such a traumatic situation. Yeah. You know? Imagine if you didn't have that outlet. How that? Yeah, he would have been lighting fires and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, That's a friend incredible. of mine said that if you weren't an artist, you'd probably be in prison. So I was like, it wasn't so encouraging, but uh, <laughs> or or probably in my case, a, a nice, comfy hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's that's really incredible. I didn't know that. This yeah, is great. That's, that's one is, of those like landmark things. Yeah, yeah. What an incredible uh, story there. Um, yeah, don't choose the red pills. <laughs> don't, go, don't go for the red pill. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about how we met? Because that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> go for yeah, it. Yeah, so for everybody who's listening, this is imagine this, right? I'm. I don't remember this, by the way. Part of part of you know part of doing the kind of work, at least the way I work, um, you're really isolated and alone a lot. You know, and since I'm not very, um, I don't go online much or whatever. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And we'll get into that later. But, um, you know, you'll, a lot of times you just do your work and you have no idea that anyone even sees it or cares or whatever, you know. So imagine being in your studio. At that time, I had a studio out in the desert. I had a studio out in Lancaster, which was a, a um, incredible studio. And uh, but you know, it's the high desert, so. And I had I remember the wind, you know, blowing, you know, like this, this, you know, this kind of. And all of a sudden, I get the phone rings, which to <laughs> me is always a problem because the phone rarely rings. So usually, the ring. it's a big deal. I got a ring. And uh, I hear, hey, this is Chet, Chet Czar. Who the fuck are you and what drugs do you take? And I <laughs> laughed. I thought that's the best hello I've ever heard. I didn't even know you. And, and apparently you had seen my work and you thought enough about it to give me a call and ask those two questions. Which was great. <laughs> Like I said, I don't remember that, but that doesn't mean anything because I don't remember well, anything. Just the, but. It was just the foundation of our friendship. <laughs> don't, don't worry about not remembering I, it. I, I believe it, though. I believe it. Yeah, that's like a great blueprint. You know, it's like what that tells you right from the get-go is this is who Chad Czar is and this is how he behaves. And if you can't handle that, then you might as well fuck <laughs> off now. I, I, I'm sure I said it in a, in a uh, lighthearted tone. Oh yeah, no, it was it was incredibly it was incredibly warm and okay, and, and inviting and and I, I hope my rendition I mean I, I might have been a bit naughty with how I re retold it, but no, it was incredibly warm and, and soon enough I was with you at, at the office having a pizza. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then it was then it like you were I told you you're like one of these people I felt like I already knew. Once we got together, it's like I just felt like I've yeah. always known you. And I know that when we finally were able to get the three of us together, you and Mike 
or at least Mike has told me he's felt that way about you as well. Like, oh, yeah. you know, just like a long lost <laughs> brother kind of thing. In fact, I, I got to admit that, and I'll admit it now here live, just to really make you put you in the hot seat, Chris. I was really bummed that I didn't get to talk with you a little bit more when I saw you at Dystopia. You were like on the fly, and I was like, oh, I want to get Chris. I want to get Chris, <laughs> but I got a hug, and I'm not going to complain because that's a lot more than I than I could have got. But still, <laughs> well, just grab your ear more. You know, just yeah, okay. wild. I mean, that was a that was an incredible event. Um, and, you know, but yeah, I would have loved I always love talking with you, Mike. And I, you know, in alchemy, they say like attracts like. So Indeed. absolutely. I'm in very good company. So, um, you know, and, and we've just begun, you know, this conversation is just an introduction. And but man, we have so much to discuss with each other. And I'm glad that we're taking the opportunity to record it because I think where this conversation can go between the three of us is incredible, you know, because what's really going on here is not just a person being interviewed or two people interviewing that, but what's really going on here is a magic triangle. Hmm. You know, there's, you know, we're a trying yes a trying <laughs> oh my goodness that was awesome that was a, that was a mighty mighty uh, endeavor over there yeah. um if anybody wants to know going on. <laughs> if anybody <laughs> wants to know what happened just uh, send us a private message and We'll explain, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Yes, it is. It's a magical trine for sure because we each of us really, in our own ways, represent, as you noted earlier, and as all people do, a, a signature combination. And yeah. you, but but similarly, as you said earlier, also like attracts like, and so the three of us having each of our signature personalities and tastes and the type of artwork and also philosophies that we've been exposed to and that we've adopted and that we're interested in. It aligns us in such a way as to be able to, instead of just agreeing with one another, actually further the development and the evolution, which is kind of the point of all conversation, in that, like, for instance, Chet stops me up all the time. You know, he's not just going to agree with me blindly because he has his own ideas about things, and I love that. And if it were not for that, he wouldn't be somebody that I'd want to have any kind of intellectual relationship with because that's the thing is that you need to be able to be confronted with other ways in order to keep those blinders off and maintain that expansion as opposed to that contraction, you know? Absolutely. My father had a, you know, he's from Switzerland and he always has this funny saying is like, if you can't fight with your friends, who can you fight with? And, <laughs> there you go. And it's truly fighting with your friends are the, is the only real people you should fight with because right. <laughs> you know, like, or what did, did what did Cicada say to uh, Diego Rivera? You know, I'd rather have a s smart enemy than a dumb friend. I mean, <laughs> friends should care enough about each other to tell them you're acting like an asshole, and this is why. Absolutely. You know, or or I think more of you, mm. and and you need to you know shape up, or you know what, I got a different perspective, and 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 that's true friendship. You know, true friendship is <clears throat> that you. You care enough about each other that you'll fight for each other and with each other, you know. Yeah, that's and that's true love. I mean, not to that is. take it in a right, weird right. place, but that that's that's real love. Real love is not. That's the thing. It's like love always gets this, you know, this uh, 
this kind of homogenized wimpy rap put on it that love is which weak. is amazing given love, yeah. it's like there's no way to even describe it yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. yeah and not only that but just the you know real love is is like you said is you know uncomfortable confrontations and discussing real issues and caring enough about someone to tell them something they might not want to hear and you know that's that's all difficult stuff so you know it's it's not you're not a strong person if you act like a tough guy you're you're a weak person if you act like a tough guy you're a strong person if you're brave enough to you know love somebody so totally preach it brother chip preach fuck it. the haters hey, you know i'm strong enough to tell you right now Ulrich, that this whole time your head is between the legs of this woman on your wall and it's like you know it's just great because it's like your head's moving around your legs the head, he's being like, born now yeah it's like you know, you're I'm glad your, you like my. Uh, I'm glad you like my bedroom decor. You think this I is like my head perfectly poised? Like it's so, it's so perfectly right there. I'm gonna sc- oh, screen grab tangent, this. Tangent alert. I'm screen grabbing this. Okay. <laughs> He's gonna grab it too, even. Oh man, we're gonna have ammo for my memes that you're gonna have to see sometime. You still haven't gotten to see Chris Ulrich starring in Epic Face Swap. So I'm gonna tell you the story because you haven't seen it. Chris Ulrich looks. If you guys don't know, and you'll know after we give a link on this page and you see it he looks a lot like edward norton in fight club okay like crazy like edward norton in fight club so i was sitting here i didn't know chris at the time like i knew chris via chat but i didn't really know you chris and so i was sitting here one day and it was the guillermo del toro thing where you guys each had your paintings side by side and you were chet was standing by his and you were standing by yours and i looked at it and i just like had this like moment i was like oh my god so i I took your face, Chris, and I cut it out, and I took a scene from Fight Club, and I put it on Edward Norton's face, and I took Edward Norton's face, and I put it on your face, in front of your painting, all leaning there, and he's got this kind of like solemn kind of kind of face. It's so fucking awesome, dude. And then I tried. I was gonna see the whole idea originally. This is such a tangent, so stupid, but I was gonna have Cheppy Brad Pitt standing next to his painting, and you be Edward Norton standing next to your painting, right? But. Dude, the the Brad Pitt Chet thing didn't work out at all. So I gee, big, really? Chet, remember that they don't look big, similar. They don't look like, similar to like, I called it Chet Pitt. Remember the Chet yeah, Pitt right. one that I said you said for half your face is like morphing into Brad Pitt. It looks so creepy, <laughs> freaky, dude. Okay, so anyway, anyway, I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to see it. I'm well, gonna have we to should, send we'll it to you. post links. You know, we'll have to post these on online and post a link to. I love to that them, you do it. this. I really do. I think that you know. <laughs> And then I share it with nobody but check because it's like it's just for my own ego gratification to just like do silly, funny things like that and get a kick out of it. That's great. That humor is the healing god. So, you know, you got to it's like look at shit next to Edward Norton at Del Toro's, uh, you know. I've also been told I look like Christopher Walken, and that's certainly oh, yeah, the case I can see my that. age. Oh, yeah. Now I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. I'm so, I, you know, I, you do you look like from Deer Hunter, like a young Christopher Walken from like Deer <laughs> You know what I mean? Because he's Deer Hunter, right? Unfortunately, Deer Hunter, please. Unfortunately, my, that character was named Chris. Oh! I think. Or was it? Oh, man. I'm look it up Am I right wrong? Now. Look it up, because if it was... <laughs> I unfortunately have the same temperament as that character. So, <laughs> hey, I want to ask you, um, you created. Like where he took Russian roulette, that's where I would probably take. If I was forced to play Russian roulette, I would take it to the walk-in level. Yeah. Were you going <laughs> to say, Zar? Oh, I, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about 
um, basically your creative process. Because your 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 paintings are so involved, and I know you do a lot of planning as well, right? Because I've seen sketchbooks of yours that look like these sketchbooks of his are like in like an insane genius who cannot stop drawing. It's like every space is filled up. It's just so jammed. Like Da Vinci sketchbooks yeah. on LSD. Yeah, <laughs> crazier. Yeah, it's really they're really something to see. There are. They're, you know, they're masterpiece artworks in themselves. But um, I'm just curious because, I, I mean, we've never totally – we usually talk about the more es- esoteric end of things when we chat. And I've never – I don't know your creative process really as far as the nuts and bolts of it, if you find that yeah, interesting. Yeah, let's that hear is. it. I'm curious. You so. know, um, um, I know a I lot remember, of people listening are curious. I remember you and I were in a following interview um, and and you were talking about the concept of like coming from an intuitive place with your work, mm-hmm. and I want to say I wanted to add to that because I I think that you know you know the saying uh, if you want to hear God laugh announce your plans yeah I think you can create all types of plans or you know I know that there are some artists out there that they do a fully rendered sketch and then they replicate that exactly and paint that exact image. I don't do that. Um, I, I find that actually, mad, I find that to be madness. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't know how one could do that for me. Um, so when you when you talk about planning out a work or whatever, I don't plan it out um, actually um, perfectly. I do it more intuitively as well. I document everything that's happening to me while I'm trying to come up with something. But most of the time when I'm actually in the painting process, my original idea usually is totally transformed or Mm. changed. You know, that, you know, because in a weird way, I'm, I'm, um, when I work, I actually talk to the work, you know, we we have a relationship. It's a relationship. It's not always a good one. I can assure you. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and usually it's cause of me, but, um, (laughs) but a lot of times like I'm wrestling and, 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 and like, for instance, I'm trying to do something and it won't, it won't feel right. Right. This is the intuitive process. And so then I'm like, why, you know, you know, is it, and then of course, when it doesn't feel right, a person, I don't know if someone else has a similar experience, but you usually attack yourself like, oh, I don't have the skill or I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, I, I want to go to the bathroom or, you know, I'm, I'm scared or, you know what I mean? I got it. Yeah. I'm sleepy. I got an itch in my pants. I'm horny. You know, like your mind. <laughs> There's a fairy horny. pulling on my nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah, that's what laughs> you know, sorry, sorry, that's jam me up. Continue. No, that's good. That's good. So, you know, you have like um, all of these, you know, um, I think Alex Gray was a perfect example. Somebody really talked about how the artist is bombarded with these these um, uh, distractions and voices. And, you know, then it takes you away from from your piece, especially when things go wrong. But a lot of times. Uh, what I find the solution is, is that there's maybe a deeper meaning or something that eludes you. You know what I mean? Maybe the the particular thing that you're trying to do doesn't want the fucking hat that you keep painting on its head. <laughs> you know, it's just like it wants a frog. You know, 
know, and suddenly yeah, right. <laughs> the frog appears and the whole fucking thing settles. It's instead of this like horrific schizophrenic jigsaw puzzle that's like like in the movie uh, Jacob's Ladder, that horrible face that's going like, you know, this, this kind of, you, you can't seem to focus on it. You know what I mean? A lot of times a painting for me is like that. It's buzzing. It's like screaming and shouting and saying like, me, 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 me. and then it's like this kind of process of just slowly kind of just with effort and love and determination. It just kind of, you know, and you allow all the, the, the echoes and all the potentialities of what the piece could be. You will let that go. You let that go. And you keep pushing and pushing deeper in and deeper in. And finally, the painting is has one vibration and it's boom it's it you 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 know what i mean all the pieces are in place it's a harmonious whole you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's not a single point in it that is not what it should be it might not have been what you intended it might not have been the revelation you were looking for but i think that that for me is incredible when a pe- when a piece actually speaks and says, you got like, like, this is my voice, you know, it's like trying so is to, is that how you know when it's done? Is that, is that what you need to hear from it to know it's done is it'll speak to you. It'll basically, it'll tell you, yes, I jive. Like I'm legit. I'm PB and J chat. Most of the time, most of the time you're, you're speaking to yourself, you know what I mean? And there's no answer. Do you know what I mean? You're speaking to yourself. You're like, well, okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. This doesn't work. I, you know, well, why is this not working? Okay, I'll get rid of this. I'll change the color on that. You know what I mean? I'll rip his nose off. I'll put it on his ear. I'll take his ear, put it on the on his eye. You know, like I'll <laughs> I'll I'll turn him inside out. I'll 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 strip the skin off. You know what I mean? I'll put it back on. I mean, this is what the kind of madness that I get under. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I, I, I okay, fine. You don't want to be holding the skin of. The other character, fine, then I give you a spinal column. Okay, you don't want that either. And you you have to understand that each one of these is days of rendering mm-hmm. that you immediately eliminate in like, you know, 10 minutes and that's, change it into an apple. Yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of cool to think that there's these ghost layers underneath yeah, that's that way still cool. exist that have been painted over. So it's almost like the whole process of painting it has been recorded. Oh, the evolution of it is is tracked in the in the actual layers of paint. Yeah. What did Picasso said that a, a finished painting is the discarded remains? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you know, like I mean, like yeah, there's a lot of layering that I do, and and I I don't know if it's because of my mania, my I'm manic, or because of it's just I really go into a wrestle match when I work, and and that's just I don't know why that is. I'm. I, I don't ever load my palette the same twice with paint. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I have to reload my palette, yeah. I don't have like this system where I go from the colds to the blue uh, to the warms or whatever. Yeah. I don't. And, and I, you know, I try, sometimes I do a painting where I plan it out and sometimes I just start a painting, but you know, it's always a wrestle and it's always a process of trying to hear its voice and, and it, only speaks at the end. Hmm. That's when you know, like when all the other voices, when you realize that all the other stuff that's going on in your head, when the piece actually speaks to you, there's no more head noise. 
you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you're not, you're totally, like you were saying earlier, Mike, you become, the, 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 the music is playing you, right? You're the instrument. Right. Right. When you become the instrument, and it's one of the greatest moments, it's it's probably the only reason why one should even work. It's not for the fame, it's not for the money. Certainly, if you're in it for that, you're stupid. You should really check, <laughs> yeah, you should check your decisions on what you want to do with your life. Because <laughs> if there's if you can if you can do something other than art, you're gonna do it. Because art is so hard and so difficult that you're going to do something else but if you can't do anything other than art and you're stuck with it then (laughs) that moment that moment is the most incredible moment is when the piece is using you painting itself and you are its instrument right that's what i'm that's the human paintbrush basically (laughs) yeah that's like the we, we talked about um when we we what were we talking about? We were talking about meditation, getting into that meditative state. And that's really, mm-hmm. the, that's the kind of the essence of that. When, when yeah, it's being like being fully in the present moment, like completely now, you know, yeah, well, meditation, meditation for me is a little, let, let me ask you guys this. Cause I was thinking about that. Meditation is the, is a neutral place. It's a place of the observer or observing, right? It's observe. It's like, it's, it's like, you know, when you're when you're meditating, you're 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 just letting things happen, right? Existing. I would say meditating would be more akin to just the word of existing with no yeah. preoccupation with thought or word or it's just fully being, present. I guess being, being basically. Yeah, the observer being. archetype or the watcher, right? Or the or the breath, right? You you're you're just being present, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. The state that I'm describing is more akin to Yes, there's a part of you that's in naturally in the present moment. So it the offshoot is you gain that meditative state, mm-hmm. but it's a form of possession, I think. Yeah. Sounds like exaltation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. because possession and exaltation can you know really walk that fine line. You know, it's hard to yeah, differentiate but, between the two. Yeah, because I think that you know I, I think that meditation teaches you to be fully present. Correct? Mm-hmm. It's not. Is that the idea of it? Um, and I think that, you know, in that case, you should be obviously meditating even when you're not meditating, right? And right. You, know, you shouldn't, yeah. you know, that, that's the idea. That's what you're striving for anyhow. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like how many times do we wash the dishes and we get so into it? Yeah, like how often are we mindful of any of our daily activities that we go through every single day? Yeah. The reason it's a habit is because we're not mindful of it. If we were present in that experience, sure, it would be far more rewarding. But again, that's the – I think like you said, that's, that is I think what we're all striving for in pursuing that kind of you know meditation and mindfulness. Whether or not we're able to maintain that position for – different durations of time, I think is always the question, but I hear what you're saying about, about the art, that, that like moment of, you know, finality where it all jives. It's like, I can relate it to making the documentary about Chet where it was like, when it finally worked and it clicked and it was done, it was like, a huge relief. (laughs) You know what I mean? Cause I always knew what it was going to be. I just hadn't gotten it where it needed to be, to be that, you know what I mean? So when it finally, everything lined up, it was like, 
Oh, there it is. Finally. I've only been working on it for four years. <laughs> you know? Well, it's an, it's an incredible piece of work and you've got to know that. I mean, I, I just, I just, I just thought it was, you see, and, and, and what make for me, when I say an incredible piece of work, it's, it's, it has its own life. It's, it's real. It's honest. It's, it's, um, it has a, it has its own spirit. Do you know what I mean? It has its own legs. I mean, a lot of times I create things and they're dead on the slab. Like, imagine creating something that actually becomes alive, that has its own life, you know? And right, right. that's another thing that, and, and also, you know, the challenge of, of, of documenting our lives or someone else's life and it, and the incredible, um, detail and beauty and the magic that you imbued into the into the work um or expose the the magic is actually behind the work and and i just thought it was so important because this word magic uh gets really abused and also one of the most powerful words one of the one of the biggest put downs uh, especially with you know when you're a kid or what other children, you know, have have, you know, shared with me is, oh, that's just your imagination. Yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> the word imagination is one of the most powerful words that we have. The I it mage, right? I am mage. I am wizard. Imagination. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. And you know, to imagine to do something, it's almost like. Did you think it up or you got like a contact, right? You, 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 something inside you and you had this imagination, this image or imagination to do something, right? To do this, you know, your work, Chad, and you're with, with your work and your documentaries and your film. And, and this is what is so fascinating is that the, the conversation about being artists, at least from our point of view, we're offering something unique in which we're talking about magic. We're talking about personal. Absolutely. I would agree. I agree. And and we're talking about not simply like creating a kind of a, a, you know, a kind of a, a shtick or a persona. We're talking about, um, invoking invocation. Right. And what's really interesting is some of the, uh, we have to right now give uh, immense credit to the sorcerer in the cave of Lascaux, painted over what no twenty thousand huh? years ago, <laughs> as our mascot. Because it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, you want to talk to me about that art is irrelevant? Why was that piece made? I mean, under the I mean, you think about how we complain about <laughs> of not making artwork. Yeah, imagine being in a cave. Try, um, yeah, try starvation. Yeah, try being there and then with drums playing and people using lights on stalactites to throw shadows and hands. And then you got all of this artwork that's up there and someone's orating and people are chanting. Oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, that's like the original theater. That's where it all started. You know, come on. Shakespeare ain't got nothing on that, right? But my opinion is that is a, a marker of how they survived. 
You know, like, you know, when they said that they saw spear uh, marks in the cave walls, they were actually hunting the bison or the, you know, the, you know, that they beautifully painted on the walls. This was a tool of invocation. And then what happened was, obviously, they went out into the world and found the, the, the elusive game and survived. And we're we are here because they did that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Art is vital to imagine, to conceive, to to execute against all odds, uh, against all the difficulty. This builds character. This builds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It it give it makes you a deeper person. It enriches you. You know, and sometimes destroys you. You know. Um, because there are, let's face it, very dark places that we all go to um, psychologically. It's a, it is a roller coaster. You know, it's not all, you know, if you're going to make art your life, it is not for the faint hearted. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> no kidding. No. Understatement of the year. I mean, most people <laughs> think going into the military is, you know, a big deal. I mean, and it is. And I honor troops and, 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 and warriors, but there are many different types of warriors. There's not just those that pick up a gun. There are some that pick up a paintbrush. And for me, painting or working is pretty much like psychological gladiatorial combat. It is <laughs> sometimes that I walk out of the studio like bleeding out of every end, you know? <laughs> feeling like I had just been scraped off of the devil's boot. <laughs> and and he's waiting to pour some naughty juice down my throat to just soothe <laughs> me and numb my pain, you know. And and you know, with our distractions and our addictions and our and our um, challenges, it's so important that we get together and talk, you know, and connect. Yeah, to stay sane. Yeah, because the thing is, is it's so easy to get, you know, what you're talking about, of course, and what we all experience really is is a a hyper subjective reality, which is that there is no way to do anything other than to operate from the inside looking out. And so when you actually sit down with a quorum of people and you're able to sit there and hold Polliver, you're in a position where then you're able to actually bounce off a lot of that very subjective perspective from other people that you trust and that you deem valuable and therefore you're able to actually get some kind of perspective when you know like you said for a lot of us i'm a hermit i live talk about high plateau you know i'm at sitting at 6500 feet and the closest town's a half an hour away so you know i i feel you and but then i still need to be able to do this because if i don't do this like chet just said i'll lose my shit you know because i i I will get all wrapped up in this world that's going on in my head and i won't have a way to be able to counterman that with this greater perception of reality and and i care to share those with realities like your guys's realities which are akin to mine and therefore not you know the the dominant paradigm common but uh allows me then like the other day chet and i were on the phone yesterday and chet's going off to me he's like you're gonna think i sound crazy but dot 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 and <laughs> i was like no i'm not gonna think you sound crazy you're talking to the guy that's definitely not gonna think you sound <laughs> you're talking crazy. to the guy who invented crazy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> 
I can imagine how many conversations you must have started with. You're going to think I, <laughs> this is my latest idea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's about and every, you keep coming up with those ideas, man, because I can't wait for your latest crazy idea. Um, <laughs> I think, I think with the process of, of creating too, what we're talking about is I think it's really important to have a balance between being cocooned and having personal, a personal kind of, um, uh, incubation or hermetic seal between the work and yourself and then connecting. Cause I think a, a painting is only finished until it's uh, when it's shared. You know what I that's mean? What I, I've like, always said the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's said the same thing. That's mm. the, that's when that's, that's the final uh, piece of the puzzle is sharing well, of it. Course, and other people it, it is. It. Yeah, and if it's an invocation, like Chris is saying, you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional, and that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss, and it's part of why magic gets struck through the dirt, is that, you know, it, it, intentionality is is important, but it's not the only important thing. And so we unintentionally manifest things around us all the time, and that's because we lack awareness. And, you know, the more we garner that awareness, the more intentionality we have. So, again, it's like you bring this thing into the world, and it's not going to actually do anything unless the people see it because you created it in order for there to be movement or change or some kind of vibrational shift, whether that was intentional or unintentional. And again, once it resounds amongst people, you actually get that amongst a group of people. And that's really what you're seeking. I mean, again, unintentionally or intentionally. This is where it gets, this is where it also gets really interesting. Uh, last night I took a moment to, you know, just to prepare, you know, in my own way for our little talk that, that, that you know, I was going to have. I, I got, I actually saw a dark song by, uh, oh, Chet yeah. And, and in that was so interesting. If anyone has, gets a chance, uh, please look, look that up and, and watch uh, the film, uh, and support independent films. But, um, that's an independent film, right? Oh yeah, right. yeah. And yeah, and it's uh, beautifully um, uh, uh, acted and written and all. But the point of what I'm trying to say is that he says, um, uh, you know, and this is not a spoiler or whatever, but you know, there is a, a point where what is talked about in the film is like the architecture and gaining knowledge. You know, if it if it is true that we invoke or bring a lot of things to us unconsciously then we can what if when we can bring it consciously right so magic being that you bend reality to your will right well obviously reality is a lot bigger than what we see right mm -hmm. and taste and hear like like there's like no one thinks about how awesome it is when they get a cell phone call like how the hell yeah, somebody's right. voice in like turns into energy, right? And is being, can you imagine if you could see the beams all that are going uh, into your phone? Right. And, you know, like if a person's voice can be turned into an energy. So, you know, then, then we refute ghosts talking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, is that not a ghost box? I mean, <laughs> our cell phones are ghost box. The next time you know that, like, you just, oh, there's a ghost uh, talking to me in this, in this thing. And, and um, to me, that's just absolutely fascinating is the idea that the kind of art that I'm engaged in is akin to magic. It is invocating. It's being 
it's being sometimes possessed or the exaltation states. It's it's um it is a very intense alchemy. And I didn't even know about alchemy. I discovered that through painting, you know, yeah. and 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 that my paintings connect bringing that knowledge to me. And my 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 work like suddenly putting books on my shelf. And you know, yes, it's me doing it, but it's also something else. And 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 that's what, you know, anybody who's listening to this, it's like, whatever you decide to do, you know, I liked what Kurt Vonnegut said, there's only one rule, like be kind, right? But beyond be kind, be creative, as if your life depends on it. Because in my opinion, it actually does. Like, you're, every single person's life depends on being creative. It is so... It is of such vital importance, and I think that we need to tell each other that. Like, if that's like the first thing mm-hmm. that we need to say to each other, you know, it doesn't. Doesn't you don't have to paint. You don't have to use paints. Just paint. well, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Was that creativity? It c- comes in any form that you want. It is as malleable as the thoughts you can put to it. Because being playful is being creative. I mean, if you're in a situation that's intense and stressful and there are people around you that are not doing well, one of the things you can do is be playful. And people, actually all mammals, and there's been all kinds of studies, show that people respond very profoundly to play, so much so that polar bears are found coming back year after year to play with sled dogs that are tagged down in a certain area when that should be their food because the dog exhibited play behavior and the bear couldn't fight it (laughs) because everybody likes to play. So again, creativity can actually be part of play and play is also vital to our ability to do anything. Basically, it's fundamentally valuable. I I think wizards do. That's what wizards do, by the way, when they get together. (laughs) Wizard play. They play. That that's uh, to me, that's the essence of for for how I create art, that's the that's the way I view it for me. It's play. That's the essence of it. That's what it was when I was a kid, and that's what it is now. That's you know, that I I have said it before that, that when I started painting, I wanted to wanted it to be as pure and real as possible so i went back to the time i could remember being the most pure and real and that was you know my earliest childhood oh mike there's there's things going on behind the scenes that that uh you don't you know chad i totally agree with you i mean i know that i was coming from an opposite perspective when i when i was talking about how to me it's like a wrestle match. I mean, yes, mm-hmm. it is play. No, no, it, it it is it is, but but it's it, it is a wrestle match, and it is tough, and it is a lot of work. But we need to remind ourselves that 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 it's not the work that damages us; it's everything that happens to you because you're working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's like the the initial impulse to me is play. That's kind of like the initial, you know, reason for doing it. At least for me, anyway. It's all about. Playing. What is it in the Hindu yep. philosophy? Where is it? it it's like that the world is like a big play, right? Right. This right, kind of this right. kind of hide and seek, yep. right? I mean, and and it also goes to the saying that if if there is the sacred and if there is something, if there is spirit and if there is God, then nothing matters. Right. right? right. If right. there isn't, everything matters. 
That's the flip right there. That's the flip. So <laughs> see that so, the paradox is is that how do those both coexist simultaneously? And that's kind of this realm we're in is that everything matters and nothing matters simultaneously. Yeah, definitely. It's profound. That's the paradox. About it. The paradox. Well, of I life. have I have I have it existing in me a paradox. On one hand, I'm I absolutely, if anything, believe in complete oblivion. I mean, like the like my I'm so close to the abyss and that and and it's drawing me in closer every day that like i almost feel like when i turn away and not look at it i'm just distracting myself but then on the other hand i have this incredible connection sense need um desire perhaps longing i guess like a, like an abandoned lover or for the sacred you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that kind of incredible kind of like that kind of, you know, when the ship's about to crash and and there's no hope and there's fire in the cockpit and all of a sudden this white light glows and you get your like right at that last second, you get your exit papers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that, to me is like, that to me is like the divine like, oh, fuck, yeah, like certain doom. And I'm and I and there's a back door, right? There's right. A, there's a, you know, like in other words, um, the nightmare. Like when you when you take when 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 uh, certain people who take LSD or whatever. For me, this is happening all the time. But they, you know, they after their bad trip happens, they go, "Oh, it was just a bad trip," right? Yeah, like, right, that was that was the teaching confronting you with the thing that you're the most afraid to look at. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, like, you know, what if death is just a, was just, oh, life was just a bad trip. Like, welcome to the real existence, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, there and the great thing about art is that you get to image or image or imagine the unimaginable, the unknowable, the, the you know, like you get to paint ghosts and a doorway in your room that you know is there and nobody else can see it and by god you draw it out and say you see look there's <laughs> the door man i drew it you know and in a weird way you know it might obviously not be there on some you know on most other people's realities but the fact that you drew it don't think that not something is not going to step out of that door because you drew it. You know what I mean? And that leads on to the next thing or some kind of strange coincidence or you know what I mean? Uh -huh. There's a yeah, that's that that's that Nietzsche quote, you know, you look into the abyss and the abyss stares back, you know. That's beautifully said because it is actually conscious or it it is as unconscious or as conscious as you are, right? I mean, mm -hmm. what did Myron say that um to me Myron Dial um a mystic artist uh, that everybody should take a look at. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Uh, he said to me, he says, when something is unconscious, it has power. The moment it becomes known or conscious, it loses all power. Right? Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, because you know, it becomes bound by the description. I mean, that's the thing is that anytime you take something from the unknown and you 
bring it into the known, we do that through linguistics and we do that through spelling. And talk about another word like image, you know, the word spelling, everyone's like, oh yeah, I, I, you know, I'm good at spelling. Do you know what spelling is? Well, it starts with the word spell. And so spelling is actually verbing out a noun, which is to bring forth something to actually spell something into existence. Right. So it's that same thing, you know, and it's, it's funny how, that again, all of that has become so mundane, but what happens is, is that it gets trapped, I think in many instances in that description. And so the description is now so much more profound to us than the actual thing, because it's been described, compartmentalized, marginalized, placed in a nice neat little box with a little title below it, you know? And so, yeah, we've minimized it and we've made ourselves comfortable with it, but we've lost, like you said, that power and that power is part of not being able to describe it. Absolutely. I mean, I was the kid that flunked out of Hogwarts. I couldn't spell when I was a little kid. Like I could, <laughs> I couldn't. Like I, I mean, words were like the trippiest thing I'd ever seen. Like they were just symbols to me. Like I didn't, you know, the S looked like a snake. You know, <laughs> the C looked like a moon. Like I didn't get like how the C A T meant cat. Like I couldn't understand. Like, like okay, how does that? How do how do you get cat from that? I see three symbols there. You know? <laughs> right. You know, I see the moon. I see, you know, I see the mountain and I see the cross. Yeah. Like, how do you get a cat from the, the you know, <laughs> like, oh, okay, cats are night creatures and, and they like heights, right? <laughs> and, and, and Jesus uh, had one on his shoulder when he was on the cross. <laughs> I know there's a painting of Jesus with a cat. I didn't do it. On his shoulder, there should be at least. I mean, I can't you picture like Jesus with a cat on his shoulder? Oh, I totally think that uh, Jesus would have been down with kittens, man. I mean, you know, obviously. I mean, like he, you know, he's <laughs> playing around with everything. Else. I mean, like you know, riding donkeys and turning, you know, the, uh, making fish. You know, like didn't he, he like with horse? He he straight up hung out with the horse and shit. And was like, yeah, what's up? It's all good. So yeah, he would like cats for you're sure. You're telling me you're not going to make a dude who can turn water into wine your best friend? I mean, that's just <laughs> right off the bat. It's like you know. But on a serious note, um, you know, when I was a little boy, I actually went to go see Alien, the film, and I remember seeing the alien, and this was a perfect example of really meeting a shadow archetype of the unconscious. I mean, I really believe that Giger invoked that, that, that like a sorcerer, that particular creature, you know what I mean? Was more than brought it into our consciousness. Yeah. I mean, if you brought it into the common consciousness, then tell me that's not a manifestation. (laughs) And for me, for me in that movie, when I was a little boy watching this and everyone's all scared and all this, I wasn't scared of the alien. I I thought the alien was the hero. (laughs) You know know what scared the living hell out of me is that milk dripping android. Yeah. (laughs) I do not like white liquid. And I certainly don't like it for sure. I don't, yeah. You know, like I'm not. I don't even go near mayonnaise, right? You got this. You got this <laughs> asshole who is powered by mayonnaise, <laughs> fucking everybody up. A mayonnaise right? powered I mean, he's asshole. My boy out, but <laughs> he's kind of a perv too. He's like a really kind of really pervy and kind of like like uh, and 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 I remember, you know, where I wanted to go with this was that. That was a perfect example of somebody who creates something that has legs. Yeah. You know, that that thing became bigger than the artist. Yeah. Yeah. To so. obviously his 
chagrin. You know what I mean? I'm sure he he created something he couldn't control. Yeah, yeah. He created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and that you know that comes back to uh, Frankenstein or any of the classic monsters are are you know they are the same way they are like arch- archetypes that have been brought into existence through the medium of film and makeup or whatever but those you know they live on in endless remakes but also in our minds and in our culture you know so it really is it's weird to think of you know the the idea of beings or monsters existing in a way existing in our physical world but not physically that's but right. within our right, culture, right. within our minds, within our conversation. Yeah, tell me a, how ghostly that is, right? Right. That's a form of ghost. Like a creepy, weird form of uh, existence, you know? Yeah, existence yeah. and non-existence at the same time. Well, there's more, you know, obviously, and, and I think anybody can agree with this intellectually at least, there are more dimensions. There mm-hmm. are many dimensions, you know? And, and, you can actually go into a dimension. Maybe you can't go into the dimension physically. Like I can't at the moment pass through this wall, right? But I can go into a world, right? Like it's like when you go to the movies or something, right? Right. And you go into their world. The best movies are, they don't explain themselves to you. It's like you're suddenly in another world Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out what the heck's going on. That's right, like right. some of the best. That's why they, I love like, you know, obviously the films from the 80s, like, you know, Escape from New York. Bam. <laughs> I just like, I just watched that. Chad cosmic. Had me watch that. And I actually mentioned it on the last the last Dark Art Society podcast. Synchronicity again. <laughs> you're the Duke. You're us. A number one. And he said frog on his shoulder. And that was I didn't bring it up, Chet, but that was the relation to the thing you were showing me. I don't even want to yeah. talk about that on here. Right. But the thing you showed me, that relates to what he said, too. And Chris, I'll tell you when we're done so you don't feel like you're out of the loop. But I no, I don't want to give it any energy on our show. Right. <laughs> No, I, it's so weird that you said frog on the shoulder because, like, early in the conversation, like, you know, the hat was removed and a frog went on the man's head. You know what I mean? In, in my right. in my kind of my my rant. So so now I, what the I stars love about, are aligning. Well, you know, <laughs> we can get into a whole conversation about how eventually if you keep painting. And I started really seriously painting. Uh, I started with my my first thing that I started really seriously painting was lemons. Ah, why is that? Did you paint them as big as you paint your stuff now? Cause you paint on a very large scale. my friend. <laughs> That's true. Those are big ass lemons. Yeah, no, I had, I had, I started out actually with little lemons Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then the lemons kind of started to get like, I started really getting into lemons. When I first started lem- <laughs> painting lemons, they looked like, like globs of manure or mud. <laughs> like they, they didn't look like lemons. So I took basically rocks and and turned the rocks into like lemons. And when I was able to do that, then I started being able to paint other things. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, smart. never underestimate like, you know, taking something and 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 just, tr- you know, if you don't even know how to paint, which I don't. And didn't, and continuously don't know how to do. It. Um, I, you know, you start with something. But my point of this is, any serious artist will eventually a frog will appear in their work. 
That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I want yes, well, that fits, that fits perfectly in. And the moment you see that frog, you know you are in a very deep and dangerous part of the labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> you've, gone, you've gone too far. You're not going to be able to turn back. The frog is like, goes, ribbit. Like, okay, you're, there's no... <laughs> There's no breadcrumbs like all the breadcrumbs that you thought that you were going to like be able to backtrack and get out of this place. No. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, moral of the story, people, when you get to the frogs, the the frog stage, make very, very critical decisions before you begin painting it. It's that simple. (laughs) If you're ready for the frog, you paint it. But understand what Chris just warned you about. Oh, I, that 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 you can do it that way as well. But I'm saying too is if it, it, it appears in your work, or suddenly you paint the frog and you go, "Oh my God!" So many years ago, I listened to this crazy weird podcast. Let me talk about the frog. Ah! You know what I mean? That will happen. That will happen. <laughs> yeah, someone listening to this, and please get into contact. You do realize you've been cursed by the trine invocation of Ulrich Zar and Corel. <laughs> hey, I got I got a question. I, I got a, a kind of a practical, or just not a practical question, but I want to hear, I know this is kind of bringing it down to earth again, but I, I just, I think this story. Like I, I want to stroke it here. What? <laughs> go ahead. Go, go, continue. I just, the story of your paint, this is just, it's an anecdote, anecdote that is so interesting and crazy to me. Aside from your last supper painting which we need to talk about that is insane but the the story of your um we could also talk, talk about the story of your varnish <laughs> varnish they 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 should they should barely getting that out they Sorry. Just, was there a frog in your throat Thanks, man. Is... no 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 the the story oh, of uh uh I had my pain and my suffering <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You got to laugh at these things now. Oh, you've got to. That takes the power away. That takes the power. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the so what's uh, this anecdotal story, Chad? The anecdotal story is about the the painting that you lost on the freeway. Oh my god! That which is so poetic because it was of a a, a it, stork. It was bird. huge. It was one of his huge paintings. <laughs> fell like- off his car on the freeway. Well, what happened was, what happened was, um, I was doing a lot of different like little shows and all this, and you know, uh, I got connected with and became you know really good friends with Matt Kennedy, and um, he was a uh, he became like a, a gallery director for for Billy Shire, and they had the Billy Shire Fine Arts, and they offered me up to to be in a in a, a show with a. Carrie Ann Bod, uh, Bod, you know, her work. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. She wrote I the, don't, I don't. yeah, she wrote the uh, essay in my book. She's amazing. Oh, yeah, okay. Then is. I am. Then I, evidently I am. <laughs> <laughs> she's a p- professor in in Florida, I believe, at a and, university and, or something. And a, I consider and myself a top, uh, She's a top notch artist and alchemist. I yeah, mean, she's she, amazing. She's super cool. And I just wanted to give her a shout out and some yeah, love. She's another um, one of those people I met. I was like, eh, I've known you forever. If you want to check her stuff out and Zara's stuff at the same time and get Black Magic, Chet's Chet's book. Yeah. Plus, we'll we'll have to link all these web websites and stuff. Stuff. You better about. be making a list with your notes over there, Mister yeah. Listy Pants. All right. So anyway, I had the honor to to show with her, and and um, so I you know worked feverishly, and and I and I generated some new works, and and one of the works that you know, um, 
that I completed, I think it was like feed the world with your blood or something. It was the alchemical, basically the the alchemical bird that pierces its own breast to feed its. Okay. And by the way, by the way, there is a frog in that baby. (laughs) (laughs) And if I recall, it had a crown. So it was the king of frogs. (laughs) And um, this is so weird. You have no idea how weird this is. We'll talk about it. We will talk about this. Let's not talk about this anymore. Let's talk about it after the show. But but go go on with your story. Go on with your story. Okay. so so um, and incidentally, I also painted uh, Kennedy's jacket with a skull on it with a frog body and a crown. So you have to understand (laughs) what's about to happen. That's amazing. So so I, we decide to make that the signature piece for my card, you know, my mailing card. And and so I go to my friend, uh, Meher uh, Bahakin, an amazing photographer, um, incredible uh, friend. And we shot all the work and we went out to have Lebanese food and it was so yummy and a great time. And then um, and then I get into the car um, and, uh, you know. We're driving home, um, and uh, I get out of my car, and all my paintings are there except that one. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like they're all strapped in somehow. That one, and, I, and like I transport paintings all the time. Like I don't, I do not know how this happened. It's somehow the wind or something. This one piece was gone. So how I, was it? How was it secured in the car? With 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 the uh, straps and everything. Uh, like on, this sort of and in the in the back of a truck. In the back of the truck. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a good point. Of, it was in the back of a truck, right? Okay. And um, and I remember panicking and backtracking and going like, "Did I?" You know, and I called up my friend, uh, the photographer. I said, "Can you go on to?" Can you like drive to from your house to the freeway entrance and tell me if you see anything, you know? And he's like, what? He goes, oh, the, the painting. And he's like, what? And he screams, right? Next thing you know, I get a call and he goes, um, I'm driving on the freeway and there's wood splinters all in the right hand lane. Oh. And all of a sudden he says he sees this rag. Like this, <laughs> and and he hands and he and he drives to my house and he hands it to me, like 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 it was like a skinned dead child. <laughs> him handing this, I mean that the frame was gone, this shattered piece, right? And I had worked so long on this piece. It was on canvas. It was on canvas, yeah. Okay. And I and I remember turning to. Uh, to Melinda and, I'm t- and I told her, I my, my my I'm not going with you to San Francisco. <laughs> so she went on this uh, up north. I forgot she went to. We were supposed to go up north or something. And I slapped this tattered, beaten thing, and I'm like, I have to repaint this. So what I decided to do was not repaint it. I I slapped it down on a piece of wood on a larger piece of wood and add and, and, and rabbit skin glued it and glued it down and, and added other pieces of canvas. And I painted, uh, over it. 
a whole new the 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 I, I resurrected it, I guess, and enlarged. Wow, it. that's very cool. Yeah, it was a really cool painting too. Well, that's a great story. On top of all, that. <laughs> did it become a did it become a better painting as a result of having gone through that uh, tirade? Well, it's interesting because you know when when it it um what was there was was lost, and I didn't want to pretend that it wasn't, so I turned it into something else. Gotcha. That was of of its own. It was equally. I mean, it resembles the original piece. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But it was different, and and it changed. You know what I mean? There were elements to it that changed from the original, and actually, there were some di- like. And I love that because there are some things in what happened to it after it was destroyed than what happened to it when it was when it wasn't. You know what I mean? And it, behind every Thing that happens to you, uh, there's a lesson. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you know, like it virtually was the painting itself was about this this entity piercing itself to to feed another, right? right. So the piece mm-hmm. itself, and it literally had wings. So the piece itself flew out of the truck, <laughs> was decimated. I mean, it was literally decimated. There was there was a fraction of it still left. But you know what I saw in all the terror? I saw beauty. The way it was shredded, the way the paint had like cracked and and like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the pieces that had fallen off of it, like the holes in it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it has it had life. I mean, it was animated. I mean, it wasn't just a painting that's going to hang on the wall. It became animated. I mean, I remember when I was in college, I made this piece in my fibers and fabrics class. I actually got a really shitty grade on it, and I was it was weaving. We were weaving reed basketry and shit, so we get it all wet and then weave it. And I wove this little dude, this like I don't know, three foot tall, little rotund, little ugly dude, and then I soaked him in a bathtub full of milk. And then I let it sit and just get stinky, and I put it in the gallery. No one was really having it. But anyway, uh, years as, as the years went on, we took it and put it outdoors and just allowed that we hung it from these trees and just allowed the elements to work on it. And we'd swing it and smash things into it and hang things on it. And it's like there's something about art just being alive and moving with the elements that's really powerful. So I could see why you would uh, find reverence in the fact that it had sailed in the way that it did. Well, you know, it, 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 you know we get attached to things. And and they're just things, you know, like for me, like um, one of the biggest lessons for art is that you don't get to keep anything. You don't you don't you got to let everything go. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, a, a serious artist, I mean, very few, especially if you're trying to survive, you don't get to keep your best work. You know, right. yep. <laughs> you can, if, you know, you don't you don't you don't, you know, and your relationships like mine and stuff like, you know, the, the process will can can either strengthen it or end it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the relationship to the craft is 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 the one relationship. And and if you have to be in harmony with it and and someone that you're with has to be in harmony with it or or you know, and that's beautiful when that happens. It's a gift, you know? And you know, and in life, you know, this what this story that I told you guys, the spirit only grows from a wound. Again, you know, that piece became better for me because it was wounded unintentionally and it was wounded and I actually re- recovered it. See, it's the recovery of the thing that's damaged that's so powerful. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Had I lost, mm-hmm. I would have had a worse time trying to 
to redo it because I had to redo it. It was on the invitation I, to redo it, <laughs> not have it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah would, totally. I would rather. I would. I would rather like you know when you go to a bar. Uh, uh, my incredible friend Nimrod told me this story. He goes, you know, when you are in a bar and some dude walks in limping with a with a leg with a wooden leg, he has a he has a hook in one hand and an eye patch in the other, and he goes up to the bartender and goes, "Rum." You know that that is a serious dude, right? <laughs> He's, he is not the dude you're going to walk up to and start a fight with, right? And, I and, might ask him about the parrot that he inevitably has on his shoulder, though. Oh, this guy's got feathers on, on, hanging out of his mouth. The parrot, the parrot said one thing too many right before he got into the bar, and he just turned his head and, and went He went for straight Aussie on it. He went straight Aussie. <laughs> and I think the, the, the idea about that is that I think that there's something very beautiful in what's broken. And, 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 and someone who comes back from a handicap, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that for comes, me, in many ways, that's what happens to you in art. You know? Yeah, well, that's particularly of interest to the, uh, the whole dark art concept is broken yes. things being beautiful and transmutation of uh, dark darkness into light sure or, or well and it's like uh Rumi. Rumi says uh you know that something to the effect of the universe needs a wound to heal you know right <laughs> gotta have something how can to it heal you if you don't have a wound <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and you know what's interesting too about imagine imagine something that's incapable of being harmed and can never be wounded i mean that is a crazy monster you know what i mean like that is not and 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 you know, you gain tremendous strength by being vulnerable. Like Chet was saying earlier, like, you know, people that are tough guys or whatever, or, or, or try to play tough or try to the, do the puffer fish, try to appear bigger than they are. You know what? Like the, an inflated balloon is quickly popped by the smallest prick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that, 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 you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be, invulnerable i want to be able to be penetrated you know what i mean i want to feel you know what i mean yeah. sometimes i wish i didn't sometimes i wish i wasn't feeling so much or it unfortunately at some sometimes should have felt more than i did do you know what i mean yeah totally, I, I, totally. I kind of oscillate between sometimes being really frighteningly um unsympathetic and 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 disconnected and sometimes way too emotionally connected and and i think you know the part of art you get to address these issues you know when somebody goes to one of our art shows or whatever they're going to see the transmutation and thus the antidote of real pain you know right, right. loss of a lover a physical handicap uh death itself the plague you know, whatever, um, you know, the thing that you know that is underneath your bed and nobody believes you, you know, <laughs> you know, like the, um, or the horrors of religion and their history. You know, like one of the reasons why I like really was thankful that I got to be Catholic, was born and, and baptized Catholic is, man, all the art 
the, the, yeah, you know, the you know, all the, the art's incredible. Oh, and the and all the devils and the blood everywhere. And I mean, I couldn't get enough of the hellfires and the and this and this image of this man on the cross with hit, you know, his broken kneecaps. And yeah, blood. it's in, it's intense, man. It's intense. The whole For Christian. Sure. Christian symbology is really brutal and incredible. You know, it's and like yeah, and when I'm drawing monsters and somebody tells me I should draw a bowl of cherries, like I remember going, <laughs> I remember drawing a picture really fast of the face of Jesus with the thorns and the blood. Uh-huh. And they looked at me in horror, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> well, like, well, th- this is one of my inspirations, you know, like this kind of, you know, th- this um these stories, I remember, like the um, the parting of the Red Sea. That is a gnarly story, you know. Like imagine when two walls of water instantly collide, and you're unfortunately at the bottom of the lake. Right. It's spontaneous. It's like being hit worse than two. Uh, it's not like you just are underwater and you drown. Right. Two. Two actually atomized. <laughs> You, you're pulverized. All your guts come out of your mouth and anus, you know, because you're squashed <laughs> the grape. Ever squeezed a grape? That's what <laughs> happened to the poor Egyptians when they were chasing after the, and I call them poor Egyptians because I, I was a huge Egyptologist as a kid. Like, I was so into Tutankhamun. And I just didn't <laughs> understand, like, how do you have a universe in which you have all these gods, then you have one god, and then you have no god? You know what I mean? It was like Santa Claus doesn't exist. He does exist. And yet your parents are Santa Claus. Do you see what I mean? Uh, so the weird, all three are ha- happening at the same time. And that's the reality we live in, right? A yes, no, and maybe universe. You know what I mean? That's yep. that's what we're in. That's the, Yeah, yeah. Positive, negative, and neutral. Positive, negative, neutral, and the question mark, the... The the Shazamo, the thing that makes <laughs> the, the thing that wild card. Yep. Yeah, like the, the seven foot bunny walking in the in the in the streets of Ireland at you know, and you coming out of the pub and reportedly there was like everyone saw it. There was like a seven foot walking bunny. And then he talks about a giant rabbit, like I talked about in the last Tarkart Society, that vision I was having, chat with the big gigantic rabbit that was like a normal rabbit that turned and took a bite out of my view. Oh, right, right. Now he's talking about a gigantic rabbit. We've got cosmic synchronicities just bouncing off the walls here. I believe that giant rabbit is an actual entity. And And by the way, one of the first teachings that I actually received directly from the devil was Bugs Bunny. <laughs> You're gonna have to explain Bugs that a Bunny little bit. Cartoons, you're basically being spoken to by the devil. That is the devil. That is the devil trickster archetype. He's a total cross dresser, messing up everyone's plans, chewing on a carrot, going, "What's up, Doc?" That I mean, that's what the devil says to God. You know, "What's up, Doc?" You know, like I, I mean, you know. And I remember being a little boy watching this and going. That is the scariest dude I've ever seen, man. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like had a had a uh, uh, an unsettling feeling about him, Bugs Bunny. He was so oh, un- unpredictable was... and just fucking with people. He was like the troll. Oh, know, when the I was king a little boy, trolls. I didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. Uh huh. 
Well, that's like nope. uh, that's like R. Crumb being like totally having the hots for Bugs Bunny, remember? And he had oh, the little right. picture of Bugs Bunny that he would have his mom iron and he put in his wallet because right. he had the hots Bugs for Bugs Bunny, Bunny. Bugs Bunny was so ahead of his time. I mean, he was the most incredible being. I mean, like he's like he was genderly androgynous. Yeah, it's totally androgynous, and he could switch. Like how many times did he jump in like what was that Elmer Fudd's lap and rub his forehead, <laughs> dude? Like what the heck? And he just rub- how many times did he like of his enemy? He and and the thing about Bugs Bunny that I loved about him is that <laughs> I love that we're having this conversation. <laughs> he, he played with his enemies. Oh yeah, yeah. Into yeah. play. Think about how dangerous. Can you imagine you're you're in the arena? And there's this big hulking monster, and he's just trying to smash you. Then you're fighting Bugs Bunny. This dude is pulling your pants up behind you, going like, wah, 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 you know, like <laughs> laughing, like like turning you into like like to the point where you're exhausted. And then he sits in your lap and he like rubs your face, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know? <laughs> that is, don't ever fight Bugs Bunny in the arena. You're gonna lose. I put my money on Bugs Bunny against. Man or I don't know what any 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 of these these video games that people play. Is there a one that you can play bugs like a fighting game? Is there one that you can <laughs> There should be if so you're not. ahead of your time as usual. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the reason why we're talking about Bugs Bunny is because that's an archetype of the trickster. And the seven foot tall bunny that walks around and sometimes is seen itself as part of the causation of reality that we talked about, the yes, no, maybe, right? So he exists in the maybe the sh- the sure. one of the reasons why the Twilight Zone was so brilliant is it took World War Two and the horrors of it to give birth to the Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone was an incredible way of telling stories from the shadow zone, like the dark zone, the Twilight Zone. The the that is the dark arts world, you know, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. the place where people like us fall in between. Where we're not no, we're not yes, we're in that sometimes it's freaky maybe. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe there, you know, when you look at Alex Gray's incredible paintings, you know, and uh, and and you look at the visions of it and all the energies and the and 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 the philosophy behind it, you know, there is a lot of, you know, it's really courageous to do anatomical pieces of something you can't see. You know what I mean? Like all the energy way lines and all the kind of the, the the mystic forces, you know, and a lot of it is true. I mean, when you when you when you make a picture of something, you're able to to talk about it or to see it in a way that's that really lets you go into contact with it because there is a, there is an actual Twilight Zone. I mean, a lot of people would say that we're in it right now. I mean, yeah, we are, we <laughs> yeah, we, are we, we are in the twilight zone at this point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now I'm personally like not very politically oriented or or you know into politics um, at all, really. But I mean, I'm I'm still coming out of feudalism. All right, <laughs> I'm 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 I. People tell me that we have a president. I'm kind of convinced that we have a king. You know, in kings, and <laughs> I, I just see dynasties. I don't see like elections. But anyway, um, the point of that is that we have an actual Twilight Zone, and I think how incredible it is that we got to watch Twilight Zone movies or the old Frankenstein movie, or you know what I mean. They really captured an 
that actual element that we all exist in, which is the peculiar, you know? Oh, yeah, that's that's the that's, you know, one of the biggest descriptors of the dark art uh, aesthetic or maybe not aesthetic, but the the places that the dark art uh, movement goes is the mysterious. You know, it's more than more than the evil. It's the mysterious. It's the unknown. You know, the place in the dark that, that, that you can't or, see. I think, yeah, I think that that word is actually, in many ways, a better description than dark. Mm-hmm. Now, we make mysterious art. And the reason why we say that is because we're not trying to be, like, mysterious. We don't know where it comes from. Right. You know? We're in, right. like, remember when you're working on your project, uh, Chet, in which you're writing, like, a, investigating your own inner world, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking it on as as if you're um, actually uh, an anthropologist, or or actually, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Going on a discovery, you're not making up exactly. You see what I mean? Not and making so, it up, in, right? So in many ways, um, we make mysterious art. We don't know its origin. We don't know where it comes from. We and know we, it's real. And we don't know where it's going necessarily. You know, you just, I, at yeah, least for exactly. me, it's, you know, it's an, like I always said, it's an intuitive process and I trust it. So I trust where it's going to take me and where it may take other people because I just so we, yeah. trust it. So we use the word dark meaning mysterious, meaning hidden. Right. You know, we right. create right. hidden art. We create art that is of the unseen, the invisible, right? Well, didn't the Mayans say that they they made the art as food for the invisible ones? Hmm. You know, like that there, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, uh, because a lot of people, the, the mystique, especially in our culture about dark, is all about what's not good. Right. But darkness has an in- incredible richness to it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't need the light as a point of contradiction. You know, there is light dark. That's that's the the beginning of creation. You know, it's the void. It's, it's pure potentiality. Yeah. I was going to say pure potentiality, which is the beginning of everything. Oh, have you, I mean, when was the last time that you guys were in pitch black? I, one of the things I, the first thing I did in my room here is, I blacked out all the windows. <laughs> I've always wanted to have a room that in which I close the door, it's totally darkness. And for me, when I'm in total darkness, that is anything but dark. The first thing I get is a mirage or, or a kind of like a, a collage, I should say, of yellow and uh, no blue and red dots. Hmm. undulating like you know and they're and they're going in and out right have you ever experienced this when you're in pitch black like i've experienced a lot of intense things in pitch black but what the specific thing you're describing i can't say that i've experienced that right right well for me i get like a visual humming you know what i mean like it's a vibe it's a vibrational humming and it starts to dance and it doesn't it doesn't stay in one shape for very long and there's multiple things moving but it's like looking at um it's like looking at um um many different kinds of things that are kind of covered in a kind of a, a an electric kind of outline or signature do you know what i mean like you're seeing like a kind of like you know and that's in the dark 
is everything, all the colors, all the all the entities. You know what I mean? There's your thoughts, your dreams, you know, like it's you know, there's something really incredible about going inside oneself, going into where where it is dark. I mean, if you want to really look at your self portrait, it's not your face. It's the blackness in your pupil. You know, when you look right into your eye and forget about the color of your eye or whatever, and you look right into that that dark hole. That is where you are. Yep. You know? The truth. Yeah. And preach it, brother Chris. Preach it. <laughs> it. Actually, I do have to. I do have to one say one thing here, though, because we are getting on towards the you know past hour and a half long, and we have to make these in reasonable size bites for people as well. And I do have uh, a wife that has headphones on and other things that need to happen in my household here. So uh, yeah, we might have to wrap it up here within the next couple of minutes. Not to say that I'm not vastly enjoying this because i would like to do this for a couple more hours the other thing is i'm a nicotine fiend and i'm watching chet smoke and i don't get to so <laughs> well yeah i was actually gonna waiting for a good moment to say that this is obviously uh we're gonna have to do another christopher you have Ulrich, to come back. yeah interview podcast because this is barely scratching the surface there's we've got to go over the we've got to go over your last supper painting we've got to go over your varnish debacle We've got to, we got to go over. Sorry, I got, I got, I got caught. <laughs> yeah, we got to talk. We got to talk about. No, it was great. It was Raskeller. We got to. Yeah, we got to talk about the Raskeller murals. There's so much to talk about with you that, that, that we are going to have to do a part two and probably a part three. Aside from you just coming on whenever you want. So, um, yeah, well, it's been great, you guys. I, I, I love the both of you, and I'm really, really thankful to be here. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, we were amazing. Was, yeah, dude, I can seriously talk with you forever. Like I knew be, it. I it knew be, it. I knew he was going to be, be problematic. I knew he was going to be amazing. <laughs> I knew he was going to be amazing. Haven't I been saying it? Everybody who's been listening to the podcast, we've both been saying he's going to be amazing. We've he, both been talking, talking you up, and you finally you you showed up and you, you delivered every bell plus some. <laughs> you delivered. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry so, yeah. for my having. Oh, Got it. Was, it was it was incredible. It's awesome, guys. I, kind of spooked myself out about that bugs bunny i wish i hadn't remembered him right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm really you can always you know speaking of alchemy you, you can always n- neutralize that particular thing with myriad other things oh yes yes yeah. absolutely but it's been <laughs> such a pleasure you guys and um and you know have a great uh rest of your evening okay yeah, Thank don't, you. St- stay stay on. Stay, stay on, on stay after on the line. we uh, stop recording. Yeah, but um, I, like I said, we got we got to do a, at least a part two. But I have a feeling it's going to be a, a, at least a three parter. So um, part. you know, uh, Christopher Ulrich extravaganza. But um, uh, <laughs> thank you everybody for listening. And um, uh, let's see. Don't forget to listen to Mike Carell's emails from infinity and you gotta listen to that too christopher you're gonna okay. trip out when you hear that you're gonna completely th- relate third to episodes it. coming on uh the third episode well this i, I, I shouldn't even say it now because yeah. it's it's gonna be two days from now so it'll already be out by the time this is out hey mike really quickly this is perfect um since you have a luddite on the other end explain to me how i can how do i do this i mean i was actually able to oh, listen to the podcast yeah 
So basically, for the podcast listening, if you know, I can get you any of the links. But for anybody else listening too, we've got on social media all the various links. You just have to pick whatever platform works best for you. So like some people try to use SoundCloud because that's where it's hosted and that's cool. But the thing about SoundCloud is sometimes you have to have an account to actually play it. I don't know why that is, but for some people they encounter that. So we have a bunch of other free places. So we have like Google Play. It's on iTunes. It's on YouTube. YouTube's free to everybody. Um, so. Oh. That might work for you. Yeah. I love YouTube. I always have fun on my my. I always got to get my little YouTube on. Um, <laughs> we, we found his platform, baby. That's right. So, um, okay, guys. Yeah. So, uh, let, uh, uh, thank yeah. Thanks for listening. And also, if you want to support, uh, you can go to chetzar.bigcartel.com and buy some stuff. And, uh, if you want to see my pick up my documentary, Chetzar. I like to paint monsters there, which Chris mentioned. And thank you, Chris, for all your huge compliments. I was turning red. Um, and also, go to iTunes and rate and review us, please, because if you rate and review us, it helps keep us in the ratings where people can see us and find us and listen to us. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. Yes. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for listening. And thank you, Christopher, for coming on. And we'll, we'll be talking to you very soon, for sure. Thanks, thank Chris. you, we'll guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Okay. See ya. Bye.